Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. You don't have to stand, but if you look at it on the screen or grab it in your Bibles or your smart device, Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And all of God's people said, Amen. All right. Today I want to speak to you as we prepare for our time of praying and fasting on next Sunday. I want to speak to you from the topic entitled, Adam, where are you? Whether you've been to church once or just read a few scriptures in your Bible, or whether you ever went to a Sunday school or vacation Bible school, you have heard the biblical account of the first two humans created and put in the earth, Adam and Eve. We know illustrations and animations have added different layers to it. But we know the gist of it is that God gave Adam instructions that you can eat of all the fruit in the garden except this one tree. And before you judge Adam, Adam is us. <laughs> Out of all the things we have a freedom to do, it's something in us that wants to choose wrong every time. Where, where are you? Where are you? God Almighty, the omniscient, the all-knowing one, comes looking for Adam and asks the question in this verse, where are you? God of all knowledge, that we just acknowledge that he knows our past, our present, and our future, he asked a mere man with limited knowledge, where are you? If you look in the Bible, God himself, Yahweh, has asked over 3,000 questions in the Bible. Not only God, but even almighty God in human flesh as Jesus Christ. Even walks up to a man who has a child that's possessed with demons and, and asks him, how long has he been like this? I want to tell you that if God ever poses a question to you, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Whether you write it in your notes or whether you tell yourself or whether you speak it to your neighbor, I want everybody to respond to this and make this statement. The questions are not for God. The question is for me. If God poses you a question, the question is not for God. The question is for you. I mean, why would Jesus ask, how long has this boy been possessed? And the father responds, ever since he was young. That answer was for us. It was communicating to us that no matter how long you've been dealing with something, God can deliver you from it in one instance. Because some of us, things we were born into and things that we have gravitated to from our youth, we feel like because it's always been, it always will be. But God is not just the God of soul and spirit. So we, got, we have faith that God can change us spiritually. But he's not just the God of soul and spirit. He says, I'm the God of all flesh. And there is nothing too hard for me. Tell your neighbor, your flesh doesn't intimidate God. 
your fleshly thinking, your carnal lust, nothing, none of it intimidates God because God already knew it before you confessed it. And no matter how long you've been dealing with something, all it takes is God to speak one word. Don't we see it in Genesis? Don't we see it in Genesis? We need quiet, serene landscape in order to be creative. We need the children out of the house. We need our spouse somewhere else in order for us to be innovative. But when God gets ready to create in Genesis chapter 1, he creates in the midst of chaos. So all of you who can handle and multitask in the middle of noise and kids screaming and TVs on, you got a godlike character nature. You can't wait for everything to be quiet before you start moving. You can't wait for everything to be perfect before you start creating. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, create in the midst of chaos. Yes. He calls things out of chaos. Let that be and there was. So God comes looking for Adam. You know, we hang out every day around this time. Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was. But when he says, Adam, where are you? Adam responds, I'm hiding. I'm I'm hiding. And that's what we do. Condemnation makes you hide. It makes you hide from family. It makes you hide from friends. I want to say this because some of you take everything personal. Sometimes I pull back from you to save you from me. Because I know what it feels like for me to carry it. And I don't want to do this to anybody else. It's the reason why some of us are afraid of relationship. Not because we don't want relationship. We're afraid of love. Not because we don't want love. It's because we have a fear of doing us to somebody else. And so we hide. We hide because people say they love us. But we have to figure out, do you love my presentation or do you love my person? Okay, y'all look quiet over here. I just need somebody. Don't leave me out here by myself. No, do you love the church me? Because yes, the church me is me. I'm not calling myself a hypocrite. The church me is me. All the preaching, all the singing, all the dancing, all the shouting. And I love God. But even in my love for God, there's a complexity about me. And most people, we have a revelation that most people can handle our presentation. But if they knew the dichotomy or the trichotomy or the complexity of all that we are, they may just say, "Mm." tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor beside you, tell him, if you knew all the information, you may not want to sit beside me. All you need to know is this covering is called grace and mercy. God has come. The reason why I look as good as I look is because God has preserved to me I need all them that have been preserved by God's grace and mercy begin to clap your hands and thank God for his preservation he says now unto him who is able to keep he says I can keep you from falling but even if you fall I can present you faultless not that I don't have any faults I need a hundred of you to be honest with me tell somebody I got a whole lot of faults but because of the blood he presents me differently than what I am my God because of his grace he puts me out looking better than what I deserve he presents me 
talk unless I got seven minutes. Adam, why are you hiding? I made a mistake. I did something I shouldn't have did. I said something I shouldn't have said. You're not going to want to walk with me in the cool of the day now. You trusted me. And I let you down. You gave me everything. And I dropped the ball. I messed up. And now I'm naked. And ashamed. I'm telling y'all. Shame and guilt. Will drive you deeper. Into darkness. I'm going to tell somebody here. I said shame and guilt. You think you're doing God a favor and people a favor by staying away. But sin festers in darkness. The more you keep it in the dark, the deeper the roots will grow. The more you keep it in the dark, hallelujah. I'm talking about you got stuff hid in your drawers. Now it's hid under your mattress. Now it's hid in the glove department of the car. All that hiding. Secrets will make you sick until it begins to destroy everything in your relationship with God. And get this, artist, get this. Didn't I tell you that the question wasn't for God? The question was for Adam. And the reason why I say Adam this time instead of just saying Adam, because when we just say Adam, we're thinking about a person. But when God says, Adam, where are you? He's not just talking to a person. He's talking to a people. He's talking to a nation. He's talking to a kingdom. He's talking to a whole family. Where y'all at? Where, where are you? Well, now before you feel intimidated by the question, you're only intimidated by the question is because the enemy has made you have a misperception of the motive. Oh, yes. The question is intimidating. Where are you? Because when you read it, where are you? When you read it, you put your own inflection in it. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? See you get in sin, shame and guilt. We hear concern as invasion. When you get in shame and guilt, people can be genuinely concerned about you, and you think it's them just being nosy. You, you, when, you, when, you, when you start getting guilt and shame, you start reading the question. They said it one way, but you read it a whole nother way. When what God really said was Adam. Where are you? I want you to say this to the person beside you. And I- I'm trying to do better not do to touch your neighbor more than one time. So this will be the first time. Look at the person beside you and ask them. Tell them God is looking for Adam. 
But God and his all knowledge, all knowing, can't find Adam, although he knows where Adam is, until Adam can acknowledge where he is. Because there are principles that governs God's divinity. And those principles is his word. God says, I won't knock a door down. I won't find you unless you want to be found. Hallelujah. Some of you have, t- some of you have some friends you had on location and they, you gave them your location, but y'all fell out. Now you have, you have disconnected. Now they don't know where you are. But God says, I'll find you if you want to be found. And I get it. I get it. You got to share your location. You know, we, I want to say this in, in my last few minutes. We are ambi- we're an ambitious group of people. We really are. We're driven. We're passionate. We are goal setting people. We got relationship goals. We got weight loss goals. We got financial goals. We got spiritual goals. We got academic goals. But if you're going to be successful in reaching those goals, you must first adequately assess where you are. For real, because putting a fake start address in your GPS will not get you to your destination on time. Have you ever ordered something from Uber and Uber communicated, you seem far away from that address. Are you sure? Because we're not going to deliver where you want to be. We only going to deliver where you are. And I get it. I get it. Many of us are faking where we are spiritually. But what I say sometimes, Claude, I say, you know where you think you are in God. Because some of us, some of us, we fake where we are spiritually. We put the great spiritual expressions on. We're faking where we are financially. We're doing it for the gram. And all the time, faking is not malicious. Sometimes, sometimes you fake it to survive. Sometimes you fake the part so you'll be hired for the part. <laughs> I understand faking it till you making it, but that can't be your life. Can't, can't be your life. But where, where are you? As we prepare for consecration, you can't receive from God in a place that's needed until you can be honest that you need it there. No, really. Where are you? Not, not where you hope to be. Where are you now? Look at your patterns. Well, that's not me. That's not me. Well, if it's a pattern, it's becoming a part of you. Right? Because when I grew up in church, they would say, don't claim it. Don't claim it. Don't claim it. And I encourage you, something that's not on you, don't claim it. Amen. No, don't don't claim something. (laughs) Don't no, don't claim it. They almost gave us a, 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 a wrong way of thinking. Because your arm could be broken. And you say, oh, wow. The doctor said my arm is broken. Oh, don't you claim it. Don't you claim it. What you mean don't claim it? He don't have to claim it. His arm is broken. And why should we pray for your arm to be healed if you are in denial that it's broken? 
Consecration is not going to work for you. Praying and fasting is not going to work for you. And can you can be honest that it's right here that I need to deal with. I need my lust dealt with. I need my mind dealt with. I need my unfaithfulness. I need my inconsistency dealt with. I need to see where I am. I need to be honest about where I am. That question, Adam, where are you? It's not for God. It's for Adam to see because so many of us have been so consumed and so busy with surviving that we're not being productive. He says, I'll show you a more excellent way. I'll show you a more excellent way but you got to be willing to get still and heal you got to be willing to get still and get a download you got to be willing to come to the table and dine you don't get this on a drive through this is not a bag lunch deliverance you got to pull up to the table for it Where are you? You used to come to church. You remember? When you didn't have anything? Before you had a relationship? Before you got woke but you still sleep? And you don't eat this white man's religion? You really, really, so, 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 so where are you now? Where, where are you? Something that was a moment has now turned into a pattern. Where are you after church? Where, where are you? And it's important. I'm going to tell you why it's so important. Knowing where you are. It's not just for your self-criticism. It shouldn't be your self-criticism at all. Because I said it earlier, the way you read it is based upon your shame and guilt. For the second time, tell somebody, God is looking for you. Tell them not to punish you. But God wants to bless you. Now, I love theology. I love discussing the multifacetedness of the oneness of God. Being Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is still yet being one. And all of that being in him, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, with the heavens still not being vacant, as he's being baptized in the earth. Oh, I love it. I love discussing eschatology. When it talks about the new Jerusalem coming down, is the new Jerusalem a real city? Or is it the the kingdom or the body of Christ coming down? When the old heaven and the old earth passes away, does it really mean that our planet is going to dissolve? Will it be through climate change or, or global warming and then God gives us a whole nother earth from another galaxy? In my father's house are many mansions. Are those buildings? Are those new bodies? I love studying theology. 
But there's one thing, theological subject, that I keep swimming in and I can't find the edge of the pool. And it's not the election or predetermination or predestination. There's one subject of theology that no matter how much I swim in it, I can't find the bottom of the pool and I can't find the edge of the pool. And theologians alike are still scratching their head, trying to wrap their minds around this one theological concept. It's called God's love. Paul said that I would be able to discover the width, the depth, and the breadth of God's love. Somebody said, what are you talking about, Bishop? Who? David said it like this. What is man? Okay. What is man that you are mindful of me? Out of all the things you have, out of all the things you have created, I'm hiding because you're looking for me just to discover you're looking for me because you want to be with me. I know that won't a shout moment and a roll in the floor moment. But can you wrap your mind around that? No, really, if you got it down pat, will you explain it to me? Because if I was God, I wouldn't choose me. And as a matter of fact, there are times in my life where he was knocking on my door. And because of my own guilt and I shame, I was like, I'm not home. I'm not coming out. Because in my mind, because I know my potential, it's best for me not to re-engage. Because if I re-engage, that means, hallelujah, there's potential for me to disappoint you again. And God wants me to tell somebody in this room that you cannot disappoint him. I felt the religious people get tight in here on me but God told me to tell you you can't disappoint me because in order for you to disappoint me it's for me to be ignorant and there's nothing ignorant about God God said I chose to forgive you just like I told Hosea to forgive Goma knowing that Goma was going to go back to being a prostitute and to go back and get her again if we don't praise God for nothing else you ought not be shouting just because you got a nice car because anybody can get a nice car with a decent credit score you shouldn't shout just because you got a house I'm thankful you got a roof over your head but every once in a while you ought to praise God because he loved you even when you didn't love yourself you ought to praise him because he chose you when you would have never chose yourself somebody shout over here over here if you're looking for me I'm over here if you're willing to give me another chance I'm willing to take it over here Stand on your feet. I'm over here. Huh. I'm over here. I'm, I'm here. But everything I am and everything I'm not, here I am. Here I am. If you could do something with me, here I am. It's not your ability that God needs. Are you serious? What is it that God can't do? It's not your ability that God needs. He wants your availability. 
You can't save yourself. No, no, really. Oh, I ain't gonna join church until I, until I get myself straightened out. How long you think that's gonna take? How you doing with that? How good are you doing with straightening yourself out? You can't do it. I'm not going to church. Somebody watching me online right now, you say, I ain't going to church until I get myself straightened out. You either surrender to God and let him straighten you out or the local funeral home will. They'll straighten you out and bring you to somebody's church. But I don't care how many flowers we put out and how good the choir singing and how good the preacher preaches. He says, call unto me. Call him while I may be found. He says, I'm calling. Will you respond? There's a door to your heart. But the doorknob is on the inside. And, and the only way for him to come in is you got to let him in. He's standing on the cusp of a forest saying, Adam, where are you? And our response should be what Isaiah said. Here am I. Because you know what Isaiah said first? You know, I'm a man of unclean lips. I cuss and I'm around people who cuss. And I don't. He, he tried to give God every reason not to use him. I need everybody in this room to lift their hands and close your eyes. Because I got to do this. I got to obey God today. I need to obey God. I'm getting ready to dismiss so you can get lunch and go to, go, to, go to a buffet restaurant. But if you gain the world and lose your soul, how long are you going to hide? How long are you going to hide? He's looking for you. That's the only reason why the accident didn't kill you. It's because he was holding it back. Looking for you. Look how, look how things have happened for you. You can't call it your luck. He's been hoping that maybe he'll bless you and you'll turn around and acknowledge him. Here I am, Lord. Here, here I am, Lord. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I pray today's message has been a blessing to you and that you've been expanded and increased and you've been given the desire to walk even closer to God. If you've really been blessed by today's message, I want you to consider partnering with me that I can continue to get out quality content, inspirational, motivational and gospel messages because we know it's through the foolishness of preaching that souls are saved. When you partner with us, you're helping us spread the word of God, not just domestically, but internationally all over the world. And so remember today as you sow, that even though the money or the gift may leave your hand, it will never leave your life because you're partnering with something that's greater than you. We want to hear from you. If you've been blessed by our ministry, we'd like to get your messages. Send us an email. Uh, follow us on social media. And take this opportunity to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Remember, I know what it feels like to cry till you have no more tears left to cry. 
But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up 